What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number four of the Nat One Podcast. I am your host, Jester, and I'm going to pass it over to your co-host, Fail, to give you the rundown on what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, as we discussed in episode one, Jester right here is our king of feels, and uh, that's exactly feels. what we're talking about today. We're uh, having an episode called Feel the Feels. Let's see if we can make Jester cry today. You won't get me. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can. Did you bring in Anne Hathaway as a surprise guest? Uh, I wish we could. Maybe one day. <laughs> that, that'll get me. I'll cry. I'll cry my eyes out. <laughs> I'll, I'll have her play that role for you. Yeah. She'll she'll give you a Pop-Tart while shaking. Just screaming, it's not fair. I'd, <laughs> I'd cry. I'd, that'd be it. That'd be the end of it. All right. So, uh, yeah, today we're talking about uh, any moment in any type of media that made us cry, made us laugh, made us angry, just any sort of strong emotion at all. And, I mean... In the types of media that we look at, that's a, a huge driving force in a lot of it is emotion, just pure emotion. So uh, let's start off with something from Jester. What uh, what's something that really got you in the feels? So like, it's been I don't know twenty years since I've seen this movie, and still I'll wake up with like the cold sweats in the middle of the night, and I'll just I'll, I'll pop up off my pillow and I'll think back to uh, Homeward Bound when. Shadow falls into the hole and Chance is down there trying to help get him out and the the whole speech that he gives at the end um, when he says I've taught you all that I can teach you the only thing you have to learn now is how to say goodbye you know the whole movie with this just amazing dog who's doing all this crazy stuff get oh I all might right. get choked up <laughs> Homeward Bound when Shadow falls in the hole is probably my biggest feel um, I, I've seen Homeward Bound maybe twice in my life. And the last time I saw it, I was like eight years old. I don't even remember what it's about. What's Bad it even choices. about? So this family moves, and their dog, two dogs, Chance and Shadow, and the cat, Sassy, get left behind, and they have to go find their owners again. And it's just about the journey of these two dogs. It's a, it's a discovery and growth journey. It's like um, Stand By Me, but instead of a dead body and kids, it's dogs and adorable. So the, they got left behind. Yeah. So, it, did, were the owners, were they just assholes? Or no. did they do it on accident? It was an accident. Right. Chance, right. there's this one scene where he's sniffing inside of a tube and a porcupine shoots him in the face with its needles and he screams it bit me with its butt. See, that's the only part that I remember from <laughs> I that movie. I laughed so hard as a kid. I was, that was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen as a kid. I don't know. That movie was a goddamn roller coaster. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't remember it that well. I do remember the porcupine part. That part made me crack up as a kid. Yeah. But, uh... Sassy, just being all sassy. Was, uh... Homeward Bound, that, that movie came out in, like, the 90s, right? Yeah, early 90s, I'm sure. Um, is it... Do you still watch it? Like... No, I haven't seen it in 20 years. It's been 20 years, and you can still remember that? Oh, dude, it was one of the saddest scenes... I've, I mean, like... No joke. It's been probably twenty years since I've seen it, and I, I'll wake up at night thinking of that scene. I'll just, my, I'll, I'll sit straight up in my bed and just be like, shadow. So okay, th- this is you're you're painting an image in my head, and it's probably one of the best images ever. You're just waking up in the middle of the night and crying, like <laughs> just thinking back to my youth. Oh, that's uh, that's an image that I'm gonna have to just try and remember. That way, I can just think about it every now and again whenever I'm in a bad mood I'll or feeling down. I'll just cry for you. I mean, that'll work, too. I mean, I'll get plenty of enjoyment out of that. Yeah. So, um, what, what about uh, games? What do you got? Oh, man. Well, the, the I, I actually made a list. That way I could keep track of it. Because, I mean, 
video games, especially now, they try to tell you a cohesive story and you get attached to the characters because you play as them. Yeah, you get attached to the characters. Well, I mean, when you're playing as them, you're, you're going to. Yeah. You're looking at the world through their eyes. And, uh, but one of the one of the most recent games that really, really struck me was uh, Titanfall 2. Okay. In Titanfall 2, you're playing as a pilot of mechs. And he ends up getting kind of drawn into it, and he uh, he's going through this adventure to try and fight this army of mercenaries. Well, in there's there's two instances where your mech dies, and your mech has his name is BT. Your mech can't die; and it's a robot. It, well, yeah, I mean but we've talked about this before. Batteries died, but it, it has a personality, and it's it becomes bad. like a really good friend with you. Like, whenever you do something good, it starts giving you thumbs up and, like... Yeah, it's that's awesome. all just programmed in. Um, maybe. I don't know. It didn't really describe it in the game. But, uh, anyway, so there's a part where you're fighting with your mech, and he ends up getting, like, his arm ripped off and his other arm, and he ejects you from his cockpit. And you just sit there watching as another mech tears it limb from limb. Right. And, like, that made me so sad. And after that happens, he gives you, like, this super powerful gun. And he's like, here, use this. It, and it's basically his programming. Once you take it out, he's dead. But, uh... His programming was a gun? Basically. It was part of the... The gun was actually, like, a failsafe. It was what to do in, like, a, an emergency situation in case of your mech can't make it. Yeah. So, uh... You go and you just start destroying everyone in this place. I mean, you have this overpowered gun. You're just shooting everyone that you see because you're just so pissed off. And it was, it was, yeah, I was pissed. And I was very sad about it. But then, like, later on, it turns out that uh, his programming was embedded into your helmet. There's a chip in your helmet, and they recreate him. But then uh, in the end of the game, you go into, like, this temporal vortex type thing. And... He, uh, as you're going in, he sets up, he's basically sets himself to die, and he pulls you out of the cockpit, and he throws you out of the portal, out of the vortex. Saves you twice. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the second time, though, it made me so sad, and I was just like, oh, no, BT, please don't do this. Almost like he was like, programmed to do it. Like, I would, I would rather have my character die with BT than have to watch that again. Yeah. And, uh... But there is hope, because at the end of the credits, there's an after-credits scene, and all it does is it shows the pilot's helmet, and it's flashing. But, uh, in the... People online, they transcribed it into Morse code or binary or something, mm -hmm. and, uh, it translates to, um, the character's name with a question mark. So, they're kind of alluding to BT still alive, and... Sadly, Titanfall didn't do that well. I don't think there's going to be a Titanfall 3, which is... It really sucks, because Titanfall 2 was amazing. Yeah. They just kind of released it at the same time as Call of Duty Infinite Warfare and Battlefield 1. So, it didn't do that well. Oh, bad decision on their part. Well, the funny thing is that uh, EA is the one that made Titanfall 2, and they also made Battlefield 1. So, I mean, they, they themselves released two of their games at the same time. Just to compete against themselves. Yeah, basically. It's a bad so, move, man. I know, and now we may not get another Titanfall because of it. So, yeah, thanks, EA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> man, I, I knew, like, nothing you were just talking about. I, I kind of figured. But just staring blankly you, at the you, window. You do understand about having a character that's been with you the whole time. Yeah, yeah, like a real character, not a robot. Well, I mean, you, you can feel empathy for a machine. 
you can feel empathy for anything. Exactly. That's what empathy is. I need to have you play through Titanfall 2 sometime, because I think you would feel something for this robot. I might. I actually get pretty deep into plot Yeah. when, so, when I'm watching stuff. So I think that uh, if I were to show it to you, you might feel, like, really sad when it happens. But, uh, yeah, that was that's honestly one of the most recent ones that I can think of that just really hit me really hard. And uh, it's it, to this day I still think about it, and it's still one of my favorite games. I play it constantly. Yeah. Uh, are there any movies I, that you, like, just fall back to just because of the feels or anything? Or any TV shows or anything? Like, literally everything. Like, everything that I go to is specifically because of the feels. I used to watch, like, n- no joke, I can probably stand here right now and quote the entire Last Samurai to you word for word. Oh, uh, well, I, I've never seen it, but uh, what gives you the feels in it? Like, what Well, happens? if you've never seen it, I can't tell you because I'm not going to spoil it for you. Realistically, <clears throat> I play too many video games. I probably never will see it. Okay, so, <laughs> basically, the... The, the the story as a whole, it really summed up is uh, Captain Nathan Algren is this alcoholic, and he's uh, he he's battling some internal stuff because of the war, and um, he gets taken over to Japan to help teach the Japanese army how to kill the uh, samurai because they're trying to industrialize and Japan doesn't want to industrialize, or the samurai don't want to industrialize and they're fighting back for uh, thinking that they're helping the emperor. So he's in a battle, and he gets captured by Katsumoto, the leader of the samurais, and taken back to Katsumoto's son's village. It's wintertime, so he can't really leave the village until it's springtime and all of the snow thaws out. So he spends a couple of months up there just getting to know these people, and the character development and everything, it's, it's beautiful. It's so well done. Some of the best acting that I've ever seen, even though it's Tom Cruise. And just, I mean... Are you, are you staring the, at his middle tooth in the movie? The whole time. Anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, the movie is phenomenal. So it gets to this point at the end where... And, I mean, this is the very end of the movie. Katsumoto is now working with Captain Algren and all of the samurai to try and destroy the army that Algren was taken there to build. And they know they're not going to win, but they're basically sacrificing themselves for a, a good cause. Um, oh, i got to go back. So, a little bit a little <laughs> bit earlier in the movie. So, Katsumoto's doing this thing with Algren where they're having conversation so that he can practice his English and he always says this has been a good conversation they, and they have this one conversation among is that what you're always quoting yeah you say, say that constantly I, I know <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a scene where they're standing among the cherry blossoms and they're having this discussion and they're talking about Bushido and what it is and um, this idea of the perfect cherry blossom and how people can spend their whole lives looking for the perfect blossom and it's a super deep shit anyway so almost the end of the movie they're like they they just took out the first battalion and now they're charging the second battalion rather than waiting for them to come there's like 20 of them left so they know they're gonna die but they're like fuck it and they go running in and they have the uh japanese army has a howitzer so they take the howitzer and they're just like knocking down the horses and all the fucking samurai everybody just falling brutal just absolutely brutal scene then katsumoto gets hit and he goes down. He's running right next to Algren. Katsumoto goes down, and they stop firing. And everybody's just like, 
fuck. And they all get on their knees and they're watching to see what happens with Katsumoto now that he's been hit. And you know, I mean, samurais, if you're mm-hmm. dishonored, you kill yourself. Yeah. Seppuku or whatever. Seppuku? Seppuku? Anyway, so he's sitting there and he's reaching for his wakazashi so that he can take his own life and Algren tries to stop him and he goes you have your honor back let me have mine and he takes the sword and he holds it to his stomach and Algren actually helps him stab himself and he helps him kill himself and as he's there he leans forward and gives Algren a hug and you can see in his eyes that he's not there anymore he's alive but he has moved on Mm -hmm. and his last words that he whispers into Algren's ear are they're all perfect and I don't know it was just and that's a it, reference to the cherry blossom. That's a reference to the earlier conversation about Bushido. Oh, okay. And I, I don't know. It was beautiful. And then again, at the very, very end, when Algren's walking in, because, um, I mean, he just goes balls out. Like, he becomes a samurai. I don't care how white he is. Like, And then at the end, he's got Katsumoto's sword, and he walks up to the emperor and kneels down and holds the sword up, and they have this whole conversation or whatever, and then the emperor says, tell me how he died. And Tom Cruise is just like, I will tell you how he lived. I'm like, motherfucker. Focus more on life rather than death? Well, no, I mean, that's just such a badass line. Like, I don't care how he died. <laughs> this is what he died for. This is shit. This, I don't know. But Katsumoto's last words, no joke, stick in my head all the time. I'll be driving down the road and I'll see, like, cherries advertised on a billboard or something. And I'll just be like, they're all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> It messed me up. Like I, it messed me up to the point where I literally had to watch that movie every single day for like two years. Isn't that I, movie like three or four hours long? It is, and it's oh, it's I, great. It's it's three hours long or two and a half. I couldn't but, do that. Oh, actually, <laughs> I say that when I'm thirty hours into Dragon Quest at this point. Yeah, you're playing video games like nobody's business. Yeah, um, I mean, but I'm literally watching the exact same thing over and over and over again. Speaking of Dragon Quest, um, I just reached a part. I, you go up to this uh, monk temple Mm -hmm. and this is after you've been separated from your group and uh spoiler alert by the way it's not any major story point but it turns out that uh this monk that you go to like the leader of them they trained one of your party members and uh they're like we want to show you something and they pull out this wooden paddle that's shaped like a hand. Okay. And, uh, you, you, like, they make such a big show of it, though. And you're like, oh, man, what the fuck are they going to pull out? This is going to be awesome. And they pull out this fucking wooden paddle shaped like a hand. Yep. And they're like, this was used on your friend. He, he, he achieved the greatest achievement out of any of us. Then you're like, oh, well, what did he do with it? And they're like, he would not listen to his lessons, and he got paddled in the ass. 10,000 times. I was like, God damn. <laughs> but, like, he, the way they presented it, it was like, uh, the the series itself, the artwork's done by Akira Toriyama, okay. who did Dragon Ball. Yeah. So, it's got a lot of, like, Dragon Ball kind of looking characters in it, and, like, a little bit of the Dragon Ball style comedy. Yeah. But, like, you know how, like, whenever it does stuff like that in Dragon Ball, they kind of, like, they pull it out and it, like, shines? Yeah. They did that with it. It's like, it made the, like, boom. That's like awesome. noise sound effect and everything and I'm just like the hell <laughs> and they said that he got paddled with it 10,000 times and that was the biggest achievement of any monk ever and I'm just sitting there losing my shit I was laughing so hard at that yeah and I mean 
so far, Dragon Quest has been... It's been just up and down with it. Like, oh man, I'm sad now. Now I'm happy. Now I'm sad. Now I'm happy. Yeah. And I love that about it, but at the same time, I'm like, stop messing with me, game. Yeah, it's a roller coaster of emotions. Oh yeah, and it's it's a great thing. And that's honestly what's keeping me hooked on it. Yeah. But, uh... I mean, like, is there is there anything that's ever made you, like, really happy in a movie or... Yeah, like, a lot. Um, so, the TV show Superstore, I don't have anything specific about it that's just hilarious because literally the entire show, I do not stop laughing. It's a 30-minute show. I turn it on, and from beginning to end, I am laughing the entire time. It is stupid how much I love that show. It's an NBC sitcom, which I'm, I'm usually not into sitcoms, but this is just about a couple of people working at basically a Walmart, and their crazy, wacky antics. And, I don't know, it, it's starring America Ferreira. She was Ugly Betty. I uh, never... What's, oh. what's, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that is, even. Alright, so, anyway, um... And, it's just that that stupid show, and then, um, God, I don't know, it makes me laugh. So I wish that I could just, like, pick out specific instances, but I'm just, I'm going through the whole thing so, in my head over and over again. There, have you seen uh, Sun is Orn? No. All right, never mind. You, you know yeah. I don't watch that much stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically a, a show based on that Dane Cook movie. No. <laughs> God, no. Kind of. But... <laughs> Man, that was such a bad movie. I I think I watched like half an hour of it, then I fell asleep. There's only one line that I like in that entire movie, and um, Dane Cook has been acting different because he's fallen in love with uh, Chicken of the Sea Girl, Jessica Simpson. What's Chicken of the Sea? It, nothing. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, he he's like changing or whatever, and one of the guys is standing. One of his buddies from work is standing there, and he says the greatest line I've ever heard in any movie ever <clears throat> to explain something like that. He goes, "Listen, man, you're like the drummer from Ario Speedwagon. Nobody even knows who you are anymore." <laughs> that's got so many layers isn't um is doesn't that movie have the indian dude from 40 year old virgin probably he's 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 a funny dude i saw some of his stand-up comedy and uh he was just cracking me up because he's one of those uh really vulgar old people yeah like Bob Saget tried to do, but it was just disgusting. Yeah, well, I mean, when you start, when you get big off a of full house, I mean, you can't really go that route. I just, it wasn't even, his stand-up special for HBO, like, seven years ago or whenever he did it, it's not only that he was trying so hard to get away from Danny Tanner, it was just, like, even if he wasn't Danny Tanner, that wouldn't have been funny. Nothing, he was trying to go so it was a juxtaposition where he was like, this is what I was, and now I'm going to be just the exact... He was trying to be Nega Tanner, basically. And it just... It it didn't work. It didn't work from any angle. I don't think I laughed once. Nega Tanner. Be a good villain. Yeah. I mean, Danny Tanner was like the epitome of like... Yeah. What would you call it? He, he tried to he, be perfect. He was lawful good. Yeah, and I mean, you're just going straight to chaotic evil. Actually, yep. I, I would argue that true evil is worse than chaotic evil. But, um... Because there's planning. Exactly. So, uh... But, yeah, then, like, I mean, Bob Saget, he had a part in Half-Baked. Did he? Literally one line. Oh. Um, Dave Chappelle goes to... Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, conference yeah, with and, the cocaine. Yeah, he's like, I'm addicted to marijuana. And Bob Saget stands up. He's like, you ever suck dick for coke? 
Yeah. And I'm just like, no, Bob Saget, stop it. Not, not allowed. Not allowed, Bobby boy. <laughs> you're, you're Danny Tanner. Shut up. Vulgarity and Bob Saget are allowed in the same conversation if you're talking about Tourette's guy. Tourette. Oh, yeah. That, that's it. <laughs> Bob that's Saget. It. Bob Saget. <laughs> oh, man, those were great. Uh, Didn't they, that guy die? Uh, no, he was exposed as a fraud. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, man, that sucks. Because, like... Those videos, that those were videos that gave me feels. Yeah, these fish sticks like, are hard as tits. Yeah, it's like, I feel bad for this guy, especially the the video where he, like, hits his head on a lamp or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man, this poor guy. Like, I'm sitting there laughing, but I feel bad about yeah. it. Like, I don't know. Should you feel bad about laughing and stuff like that? I think... I think you should feel bad about whatever you want to feel bad about. Well, another I mean, one that made me really happy, and this is another one that was just... The entire movie was just this roller coaster. And some of it was supposed to be sad. And I was laughing my ass off. So I'm talking about Goodwill Hunting. I can and watch Goodwill Hunting all on my own. They're <laughs> Ludo. Uh, listen to Ludo if you haven't. They're awesome. So, they're, like that scene where he's with Sean in the office and that whole, it's not your fault, man, things going on. And like Matt, in Family Guy? They copied that. Oh, okay. But anyway, when Matt Damon starts crying over that, I was actually laughing. Like, that's not the good feel I'm talking about, though. But at the end, when... And one thing, on a side note, about that movie, and anybody casting for any movie, next time that anybody does anything for casting and thinks we need to have an attractive female lead in this movie, and your mind goes to Mini Driver, you need to get out of the movie field. Like, just get out of movies entirely, if that's what you think. Wasn't Mini and, Driver that new movie that came out with, like, the guy that's really good at driving? That was Baby Driver. Oh, okay. Um, so, anyway. So, at the end, and again, if you haven't seen the movie, you're not going to understand the reference because it goes back to a conversation that they had had earlier in the movie. But when he leaves, and the only note that he leaves for Sean is, I gotta go see about a girl. You know, Like, that's the culmination of everything that had happened in his life up to that moment. Just hitting this beautiful point of emotional maturity and i don't know it it lifted it didn't just make me happy it literally lifted me up like it it brought my spirits to a new level i was floating on clouds after the first time that i saw that i'm just like this is the shit give, that, give me a little bit of background on this because like you said i'm like okay i have no so idea what's going on sean's at a he, he's telling this story to will sean's at a bar and it's the uh, ninth, or it's the final game of the World Series. I forget what year and I forget what player because I don't care about baseball, even though I should have the entire movie memorized how much I watch it. And he's there with his friends at the bar before the game starts. And he looks across the bar and this woman catches his eyes. And they start looking at each other or whatever. And he just takes his ticket and slides it across the table. And his friends say, you're not going to go to the game? And he goes... No, guys, I got to go see about a girl. And he gets up. And that's when he's telling Will, his wife has recently passed away. Mm -hmm. And he's going through some shit while Will's going through some shit. And he's supposed to be the psychiatrist helping Will through his shit. But Will helps him through his shit. And it's just, it, it's, the, the dichotomy there is cool. But, like, this is him explaining the perfection of his wife and how even knowing that she was going to die young, he'd do it all over again. And the sentence that he used to explain that was, I got to go see about a girl. And then in the movie, Will has some attachment issues, we'll say. 
because he was like a foster child severely abused home to home that kind of stuff like um did they do that scene no they didn't do it in family guy with the my dad used to come home or my stepdad used to come home from work and he'd put a wrench a belt and a stick on the table and tell me to choose sean says which one did you choose i would choose the wrench why because fuck him that's why i mean like this dude's got some attachment issues and um mini driver plays his love interest and they have a falling out because he can't open up to her and she moves to california he's in boston southie so she moves to california and the i gotta see about a girl is basically him saying i'm getting out of the slums i'm gonna chase after something that i loved and i'm going to actually do something with my life other than drinking beer and playing baseball okay and- so basically it's uh it's another one of those movies where like he's just a wreck and he turns around but it's weird because he's not just a wreck he is like the smartest person on the face of the earth but he was raised and the condition like the circumstances of his upbringing brought him to a certain level on an emotional maturity even though his brain is on a completely different level than everybody else in the world like he can sit down and answer any math problem that you ask him but he's got a really hard time thinking that he loves somebody he'll punch through a wall that's uh I don't know. I, I guess I would have to see the movie to understand it. Yeah, we'll better. watch it. You need to see. It, uh, you, you tell me I have to watch so many movies and we never you watch do. them. You do. You have to watch every movie. Uh, I don't know. Go on. I've been talking about movies for forever. This is a video game thing. People want to hear about you. Well, they, they, it's about both of us. Come on. I um, want to talk about Maximus Decimus Meridius, but we'll do that next. <laughs> um, that, that was uh, Gladiator, right? Yeah, it was the coolest scene in Gladiator. It gets me pumped as shit. <laughs> like, if I gotta go do something, if I'm going to, like, a job interview or I'm going in to try and sell something to somebody, I'll just listen to his I am Maximus Decimus Meridius, <laughs> commander of the Northern Army, or the Northern Legion. Um, I mean, it, this doesn't really have anything to do with, like, gladiators or a ring or anything like that, but, uh, I don't know. I think Colosseum and then Shadow of the Colossus popped into my mind. Okay. Shadow of the Colossus, it's a game that it's literally nothing but boss fights. Yeah. And there's literally nothing in the world except for newts and birds and these giant colossus. <laughs> you said newts, right? Yeah, you, you collect them and it raises your health, I believe. It's either your health or your stamina. Okay. And you eat the tails. But um, There's some Mormon stuff going on. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, I mean, the whole game just, it hits you in the feels. Uh, you, you're taking. It starts out with you going to this temple with uh, what we assume is your dead girlfriend in your arms. Why do you assume that? Because, I mean, they look nothing alike, and it's pretty much accepted at this point that it is his dead girlfriend. All right. But um, so you uh, you're at this temple trying to bring her back to life, and this voice reaches out to you, and. Uh, it uh, it basically tells you put her on the altar, and then go slay these colossus, and I will bring her back to life. This feeling kind of Final Fantasy seventy. No, not even. <laughs> but um, so anyway, you uh, you go in and you fight all these colossus, and you have to do everything like a specific way. You have to find their weak points and climb up them and stuff, and they all have a different way that you fight them. But as you kill each colossus. All of this like dark energy comes out of them in like strands. It looks like tentacles, mm-hmm. and they go into the main character. And as you progress through the game, the main character you can tell that he's just getting corrupted. Awesome. And uh, 
But anyway, so you fight these Colossus, and then at the end of the game, after you beat all the Colossus, it turns... One, one second. Is Colossus the plural for I think Colossus? it's actually Colossi. Colossuses? I think it's Colossi. Colossi. But, uh... So, you, you beat them all, and, uh... Spoilers. It, this game was on <laughs> PS2. I mean, actually, it's on PS2, PS3, and PS4, okay. which is awesome. But, so, it, the voice reveals that it's actually an evil god that's been using you to destroy, like, the protectors of the land. Word. And, uh, it's been corrupting you. So what happens... Oh, and before that, your horse falls down a cliff, and that was one part that really hit me, because you use your horse throughout the whole game. What was the horse's name? Agro. Okay, just making sure it actually hit you. Yeah, it, it hit me pretty hard. But, uh... Because, I mean, really, the only thing that you had in that game was Wander, the main character, and Agro. Okay. Those are the only characters His in the game. His name though. was Wander? Yeah. That's so stupid. It's weird, but, I mean, it's... I was uh, reading this book one time. Um, I just keep cutting you off. Yeah. Well, anyway. It's all right. Go on. <laughs> I was reading a book. Before it, you forget. It's called Snow Crash. And it was a pretty okay book. It's kind of like a uh, punk, techno-punk kind of genre mm-hmm. where it deals a lot with virtual reality and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought about it when you said that because the main character in the book, his name is Hero Protagonist. Is this the same one that uh, Dot Hack is based off of? I don't think so. Oh, okay. This just came, uh, it just came out like three years ago or oh, something. Oh, then no. But, yeah, his name's Hero, H-I-R-O, but Hero Protagonist is the main character of that book. I, I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, go on. Nice tangent. Yeah, um, you're, you're playing as Wanderlust and you're... Uh, wander. Yeah. Just Wander. And... Rarone. Uh, but anyway, so like you absorb all this dark energy and uh, the guards from the nearby like kingdom, they're coming to attack you and uh, as they attack you, you're being dragged like over and uh basically you become a demon and as a demon you're being dragged by this wind and you can control it you have you don't control the wind you control wander but you're trying to like save yourself from this wind and it takes you in and it kills you and it was probably one of the saddest endings to any video game that i ever played and wait that's the end yeah you die yeah that's awesome well, I mean, there's there's other games where you die in the end. Um, I love when stuff ends bad. Another one, I, I actually love sad endings. Yeah, they're, they're the greatest. best. Um, another one that really got me was Red Dead Redemption. Okay. This is another game where the main character dies at the end. <clears throat> well, anyway. That's so, stupid uh, with the sandbox. Like, yeah. Do you come back to life and you can walk around and play after the credits? No, you play as a son. Oh. Afterwards. Rough. So, um... What happens is, okay, the game is basically you're part of this Wild West gang. And the government is basically holding your family hostage. And they're like, hey, take out the remaining members of your gang for us. And we'll let you have your farm and be happy and live life. So you're spending the entire game hunting down your former gang members. And at the end, you're, uh, it, and this is the worst part, is the government says, okay, you can have your family back, you can have your farm back. And... You start, like, actually, you get to play as a rancher. Nice. You get to actually, like, herd cows Harvest and stuff. And, no, that's farming. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, yeah, you actually get to, like, herd cows and go cows hunting. And, like, you're doing all this with your son as you're developing a bond with your son because your son hates you because you've been gone for so long. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, uh, so, you get to play a normal life for the last part of the game. And then, one day, uh, you're house gets attacked and it turns out that it's the federals and uh the ones that said that they'll leave you alone 
So you have to go around and you kill all these guys and then you escape to the barn. You send your uh, wife and your son out. And, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it, man. <laughs> but uh, you you open up the barn doors to confront the government employees. Yeah. And there's just a, what were they called? A posse. Yeah. They are a posse back then. There was just a posse of people all with their guns pointed at you and the guy that you'd been dealing with through the government standing in the center of them. So uh, you can go into slow motion in the game to do your aiming and stuff. Well, the game puts you into that slow motion mode and you take out as many guys as you can. But no matter how many you take out, they pelt you with bullets and you just get completely destroyed. I'll show you a clip of it later. Okay. But uh, it's seriously one of the saddest moments in video games I've ever played. I mean, sounds like it. Yeah, it it, it got me bad. Like, I was like expecting a happy ending. I'm going, I'm like, all right, I get a farm. And then all these people attack me. I was like, oh no. Well, at least I'll get to kill them, you know, like yeah. leave the last. So like everybody tries to say that uh, No Country for Old Men had a shitty ending. Because, like, it wasn't a happy ending. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think that it was actually the perfect... I, I have that down as one of the things that made me feel the feels. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a feeling of anger. And the... I, I mean, you haven't seen No Country for Old Men, if I'm not mistaken. No. Because it's a movie and you haven't seen movies. So I, I mean, I've seen some <laughs> so movies, but... The bad guy doesn't die. And the good guy doesn't die. And nothing's really resolved at the end. And it, like, I mean, a lot of people are pissed about it. And Cormac McCarthy, hands down, my favorite author of all time. Like, everything he's ever written, I have read and loved. So, No Country for Old Men, when the Coen brothers were taking it on as a movie, I was like, this is going to be the shit. Because they're some of my favorite directors, and it's one of my favorite books. So, anyway, um, it gets to the end, and most people are watching, and they're just like, they don't understand it because they don't understand the philosophical journey that that movie is supposed to take you on, which is everything Cormac does is supposed to be this deep philosophical journey. And if you look at it from that perspective, when, when we got to the end of the movie, the feeling that I felt wasn't anger, it wasn't happiness, it wasn't sadness, it was just this overwhelming rush of calm, like this is, I'm. It, it's not good, it's not bad, it just is and that's kind of just the way it is and and there's this story that tommy lee jones tells at the end and i don't remember it word for word so i'm not even going to try and quote it but anton shakur the bad guy he goes walking away after getting in a car accident and you basically don't know what the police are on their way and he's just like badass walking away and you know he's not gonna get caught because it's anton chigurh and then tommy lee jones tells this story about seeing his dad um or about a dream he had seeing his dad and the the implications of the story are just so deep compared like if you oppose it to what just happened with chigurh i don't know it it was just this intense feeling of calm. Once I, it, I, I think you need to do a little bit more context for the listeners. What is uh, No Country for Old Men about? So No Country for Old Men is... This is my favorite movie of all time. Like I know I talk shit about a lot of movies a lot on this podcast, but I will never say a bad thing about No Country for Old Men. Um, so Josh Brolin plays this guy. His name's Llewellyn. And... He was in the war, and he got out, and now he's home, and he's hunting. And 
um, while he's out hunting one day, he comes across a drug trade gone wrong where he gets a couple million dollars in a briefcase and the corporation that was heading the drug trade wants their money back. So they send a assassin out after Llewellyn and the assassin is Anton Chigurh. And he's not opposed by Llewellyn. Who, it, there, there's some moments in the movie where it's directly between those two, but really his rival in the movie, as far as <clears throat> from a philosophical standpoint, his rival is Tommy Lee Jones' character, the sheriff. And <clears throat> the whole movie's kind of about these two completely separate entities, like everything about them is completely opposite to each other. But there, there's stuff all throughout that movie that just gets me feeling. Like, Llewellyn, he's such a hard ass. Like, he's so hard as a dude. But in the beginning, when he's out there, one of the guys who's dead in the car is asking for water, and he says, I don't have any water. He gets home, he hides the money, he hides the guns that he took and all that. And this is later in the night after he talked to his girlfriend and everything. He's laying in bed, and he just stands up, goes to the kitchen, starts filling a gallon jug with water because he can't sleep thinking about this dude being out there. And his girlfriend comes walking out of the room and she says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to go do something stupid. And he says, if I don't make it back, tell my mother I love her. And she says, your mother's been dead for four years. And he says, oh, well, I guess then I'll tell her. I'm just like, he knows exactly what he's about to walk into, but because he can't sleep knowing that that guy's out there without water, he's doing what's right and what's wrong at the same... So he's like an amalgamation of the two. I'm going way too long. <laughs> but No, that's fine. That he's an amalgamation of the two characters. So you have these two completely juxtaposed philosophical viewpoints in Shigura and the Sheriff. And then you got Llewellyn, who's just like hard in the middle between the two of them and i mean you get a couple of other cool characters showing up woody harrelson has a character in there and he's just a complete badass i might have to watch it just for woody harrelson you you have to watch it because it's the best movie in the entire world uh that's subjective did you see the road no it's got uh aragorn he plays the main character Vito morgeson yeah (laughs) Um, anyway uh it's another Cormac McCarthy book turned into a movie, just like uh, The Sunset Limited. And I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones with Cormac McCarthy, for some reason, just fucks me up. Sunset Limited was insane. So, and there are two characters in Sunset Limited. There are only two actors, Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel Jackson, period. How does a movie work like that? It's a conversation. The whole movie? The entire movie. It sounds it's so good. It sounds boring. No, because... <laughs> It's, it's again, because it's Cormac McCarthy and he does what he does with his dialogue. This was originally a play. It was written as a uh, stage play and it was adapted for screen. But um, Samuel L. Jackson plays a really down on his luck, poor as dirt janitor who just got out of prison and found God. Tommy Lee Jones plays a super successful college professor who tries to kill himself. So, hold, hold and, on. Is Tommy Lee Jones just, like, a huge thing with these movies? Yeah, Cormac McCarthy and Tommy Lee Jones are connected pretty well. And because Tommy Lee Jones is fucking amazing, and Cormac McCarthy's amazing. So. I don't know, Volcano wasn't that good. <laughs> okay, so did you see, um... Oh, what was it called? Tracker? Pursuit? I don't remember. But no. it's Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. It, 
I'm going to talk about movies this entire time if you let me. <laughs> but it's Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. And the movie's about um, Tommy Lee Jones teaches people how to fight with knives. Like, really how to fight with knives. And he has all of his students create their own style knife. And Benicio Del Toro, who I also love anything he's in. I'm so excited to see Sicario 2. I have I, it waiting I, to watch it. I thought that you didn't it, like Fear and Loathing. I didn't. He's but, in it. Okay. I... <laughs> I like most things Benicio Del Toro's in. Anyway, he builds this blade that they call a tracker. That's the type of knife that he creates in the movie. I own two of those knives, Damascus Forged, or Damascus Forged Steel. Just beautiful, beautiful. Most functional knives in the world. You guys don't know this about me, but I do a lot of outdoor stuff. And you can skin everything from a rabbit to an elk with one of those knives. Wow. And I... They're... I'm not going to go on a knife rant. Let me know in the comments if you want me to do a review on Benicio Del Toro's Tracker Blade because I can tell you everything you need to know about it. Yeah, if, if we do that, that'll be just purely him. So. Yeah, we're, we're pretty... I've been talking a lot this episode and we're kind of low on time. So. Um, but uh, an, another one, and this one I really wanted to talk about. Uh, one of my favorite game series is Uncharted. Okay. With, with Nathan Drake. Like I love the yeah, characters yeah. and the I story. like the story a lot. Um, well, there's a character named Sully. Name's Ed, uh, Sullivan. Well, he's like Nathan Drake's mentor in the thieving world. Teaches him how to be a treasure hunter and a thief. And they go through a lot of adventures together. And I mean, he gets... You, you think that he gets shot in the first one. Actually, no, he did get shot in the first one. But, I mean, at that point, he was just a side character. They didn't really have much character development with him. So I was just like, eh... But anyway, so like by the third game, Sully became one of my favorite characters in this series. I mean, even when I played online, I played as Sully. Yeah. And uh, but uh, in the third game, you're okay. So the first game you're going after El Dorado. Second game you're going after um, Shangri La. Then the third game you're going after some. It's called like that Atlantis of the Desert or something like that. And uh, so you reach this hidden city in the desert. And you're just, like, exploring it. You're fighting people there. And uh, you reach this fountain, and you both take drinks out of it. Well, as you're drinking from it, like, you hear a gunshot. And then, like, slowly his chest just starts, like, seeping blood. Mm. And he just, like, looks at Nathan. He goes, what? And then he just falls. Those are perfect last words. And I was, I, like, I was crying. And then, like... It, the the camera moves over and it shows the bad guy Talbot, who works for the main bad guy, and I'm just like, oh, you son of a bitch, and I mean this is all in a cutscene, so I can't control it. Yeah. And then like next thing I know, it goes to a gameplay, and I'm chasing after Talbot. I'm just like, oh, you motherfucker, you're going down, and so you do this long chase scene against him, and it was perfect because I was just like, oh, I need to kill this guy. Well, it uh, after you beat him. And I mean, on the way, you're fighting genies and shit. <laughs> but uh, after you beat him, uh, it turns out that Sully is still alive. He he walks up to you and he's like, hey, where'd you go? You went running off. <laughs> well, it turns out that the reason that this organization wants this desert place is because they're in the water. There's like a chemical that can be used in mind control. 
So <laughs> you're like, it turns out that that's what was in the water, and you were hallucinating that Sully got killed. Yeah. You so, cried like a bitch for nothing. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I'm so glad that he's alive. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, then in the fourth one, you get introduced to Nathan Drake's brother, Sam Drake. And you uh, you start out in a prison, and this is like back in the past, before the events of any of the games. Okay. And it's just saying, like, what happened to Sam? Why Why does Nathan Drake sound like the perfect name? Because it is. I mean, that's just... I'm, I'm, every time you say it, I'm thinking about it. And I'm, you say Nathan Drake, and I picture what he's supposed to look like. And I know that I'm right, because I know the Uncharted games. But, I mean, that's just... He, he's, he is. He's the epitome of, like, a good character in a video yeah, game. And he's got a good name, good personality, good character development. It's really well done. Uh, yeah, Naughty Shout Dog. Shout out to that Naughty Dog. Yeah, Naughty Dog. Everything you do is fucking amazing. I mean, shout out to Naughty Dog. Uncharted. I was gonna say shout out to whoever did that, but then you just <laughs> knew. So. Uncharted, Crash Bandicoot, The Last of Us. Oh, they I did Crash Airport. Bandicoot. Yes, they did. Fuck you guys. What? <laughs> that game destroyed my childhood. I can't tell you how many fist fights I've been in with my younger sister because of Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Let me get this straight. They did the first three on PlayStation 1. Yep, there we go. Okay. Then fuck you guys. But anyway, in Uncharted 4, you're escaping the prison because uh, the whole reason that you went in was to find an ancient artifact because the prison is in a ruin. Okay. So you find the artifact and then you start escaping. Well, you're getting shot at and shit. And you jump across a rooftop, like a gap in the roofs. And uh, Sam ends up missing. And he's holding onto the edge. And you're trying to help him up. And then he gets shot and he falls. And, I mean, there it was still pretty early in the game. But there was enough, like, interaction with Sam. And Naughty Dog is just so good with their characters that I felt really bad for that. They put pants on a bandicoot and they're like, there you fucking go. Yeah, I know. They've changed it a lot. Oh, they did Jack and Daxter, too. <laughs> Jack and Daxter. Why do I know that name? It was on PS2. I'm not a huge fan of I think I, really. I, I think but... I played that one. I think I played that one a lot. Was... That's the one that's like Ratchet and Clank. Yes, it was, there was Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter. Yeah, they were Jack. both kind of side and side. Yeah, that was a good game. I remember that. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of platformers, but I I forgot to mention that they did Jack and Daxter. Um, but yeah, like I there was enough character development for Sand that I legitimately felt sad that he was dead. Well, I mean, later on you find out that he's still alive. Naughty Dog. These motherfuckers. Yeah, quit messing with my emotions like this. Don't kill people off just to bring them back and make me feel like an idiot for being sad. <laughs> I mean, I'm like over here about to cry my ass off, and you're over here like, oh, no, just joking, they're alive. And I'm just like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so I didn't start watching Sons of Anarchy until season four was starting. And wait, wait, wait. Before we do this, I have one more Naughty Dog game. All right. Uh, just to get off of this Naughty Dog tangent. I say Sons of Anarchy and 90% of our audience knows what I'm about to bring up for, for sad. <laughs> like, for feeling the feels. I mean, it's a popular show, so I'm yeah. pretty sure. But um, in, uh, in The Last of Us, in the very beginning of the game, you, uh, you first start out with... Do you know what The Last of Us is about? I think, if, if it's the one I think it is, I really want to watch through it. That's the one where you're the guy with the little girl? Yes. Yeah. And uh, It sounded so interesting. It, I'd be so bad at playing it, but I really want to watch <laughs> I'll, it. I'll play it through for you, because awesome. it's it's a game that I can play over and over. I feel like it's a movie, though, right? Like, it, the it, story is deep enough that... Well, that's any Naughty Dog Yeah, that's true. ...thing. They, they, play, like, they play like movies. But, um, in the beginning of the game, you, uh... Well, they're zombies, but they're not really zombies. Do you know what Cordyceps is? 
Is it like the rage virus? No, cordyceps is a fungus that infects ants. And oh. what it'll do is it'll infect, infect the ant, then it'll dig into their brain and turn them into a zombie ant. And they'll like go up to the highest place that they can so that the cordyceps can grow more. Okay. Well, it's basically like what would happen if cordyceps could infect humans. But instead of them going to the highest place and letting the cordyceps grow more, they kill other people to infect them. Oh, I was going to like, is this going to turn into The Happening? The Nappening starring Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so in the beginning of the game, it starts out just like, oh, nothing's happening. It's the regular world, but you uh, you play when this epidemic first starts. And you play as Joel and you have his daughter. And she's like, you, you play as her in the beginning and she's looking through this empty house. And she's like calling out for her dad. She's like, dad, dad? Well, you end up finding him and he's covered in blood. Rough. And uh, his neighbor attacked him. Well, uh, they try to escape with his brother. And they end up going through, like, you're driving and you're still playing as this girl. And your dad's driving with his brother. And you're looking at the window of all this havoc going on. And it's I'm really... I'm thinking of the Dawn of the Dead remake as you're explaining it. It's this. really emotional just watching it all happen. Because it's like, what would happen if this happened to people? Like, how would society what react? What would happen if this happened? Shut up. But... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I'm not going to give the, it all the away. The answer is this. I'm not going to give it all away, but you uh, you end up crashing your vehicle and then you keep running. And uh, you're carrying your daughter because she hurt her ankle yeah. in the car crash. And you're being followed by this, uh, like, a military guy. They're, like, trying to quarantine the area. And, huh? Is it Ving Rhames? No. Oh, okay. Um, That'd be cool. <laughs> But I still have Dawn of the Dead remake going through my head. You, uh, he's like freezing. You're like, we're not infected. We just, we're trying to get away from here. And uh, he tries moving. He's like, my daughter needs help. And the guy is like, don't come any closer. I'll shoot. And the guy's like, please, we just need help. And the guy ends up shooting. And as he's about to shoot, Joel jumps away. And in the next scene, you see him and he's like, okay, we're all right. We're all right. And uh, he, like, looks down, and his daughter's like, Dad? And then she's been shot. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And Stuff with daughters gets me. And I, I don't have a daughter for all of you out there, I, but I have a niece. And, like, I don't know. Shit with little daughters just it, it, it fucks me up. That 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 <laughs> intro of the game, that part takes place, like, ten minutes into the game. I don't care. I'd cry yeah. like a baby. Oh, I did. No! But um, then, like, towards the end of the game, you play as Ellie, who's this new girl who, uh, she's been bitten, but she doesn't change. She doesn't turn, so they think she's the cure. The, the cure is well, in the blood. Well, she's trying to uh, take care of Joel because he got impaled. Rough. And so she ends up finding this Did, village. Does his daughter survive? No, she Well, died. then who cares? He's got nothing to live for. Let him get it. El- he starts treating Ellie like his daughter. Well, you have to. Yeah. That was the whole point of the story. Is now he's a guy, Ellie. Yeah, it's like when you fall in love with your therapist. But um, she goes into this village of people, and uh, they act all nice to her. And then Does she they... die too? No. Oh, fuck. Last of Us 2 is I'm her. sweating. Like, my heart's racing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But they, like, treat her well, <laughs> and then they act like they're her friends, and they capture her. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, they have her in, like, a jail cell, and... The character tries to rape her. And so, like, you're sitting there and she's 
they're like trying to rape her, and you're like, oh, you motherfuckers, because you've developed this relationship with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, do you bite their throats out? No. Right. She's she's good with weapons. She kills them with, like, guns and shit. I was just going but, on uh, Andrew Lincoln on it. And then, uh, there's this guy named David, who's voiced by Nolan North, who voices Nathan Drake, which I was like, oh, okay, oh cool, cool. cool. Yeah. And, uh, you're fighting him in a bar, and, uh, then... Joel shows up and he kills him and he just like kills him so savagely he's like leave her the fuck alone and I'm just like yes but that part made me angry like seeing them treat her like that yeah it's fucked up but uh we have time for one more and what were you gonna say okay so Sons I, of didn't, I didn't start watching Sons of Anarchy until about season 4 and I, I was catching up through Netflix on my tablet laying in bed and my favorite character of all time in that show, maybe my favorite character, second favorite character of all time in any show, because I think that uh, Jesse Pinkman takes the cake on favorite. But Opie was just like my fucking boy. I loved Opie. All of the deep, intricate stuff going on with his life, trying to get out of the gang, trying to stay in the gang, trying to figure out what's going on with his life, do what's best for his family. I mean, he was the most developed character in that entire show. And then in season three, He's talking to the FBI, and he's talking to the MC about the FBI. I mean, he's just double agent. But Jax, who is his childhood friend, best friend since childhood, doesn't know if he can trust him, blah, 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 blah. They're in jail, and there's this scene where, because of uh, Pope, who's the new big bad guy for the season, they, they do one big bad guy per season or whatever, he needs them to sacrifice one member of their gang because of what they did to his gang. And Opie, like, he just knows where he's at in his life, and he steps up, and he's just like, fuck it. And he walks into the room um, where they're in prison. He walks into the room where they're going to do it, and these three dudes come in and just start beating the shit out of him. He's fighting back at first, but then he knows, like, this is the shit. This is, this is my fate. Like, I chose this. And he turns, and he shoots this look to Jax. Through the window where they're watching him who's, die. Who's Jax? Jax is the main character. Oh, okay. Sons of Anarchy. So he shoots him a look and then just whack right in the back of the head with a pipe. And he goes down. Episode ends. I set my tablet down and I paced the house for the next four fucking days. I'm just like, what the fuck? What? I was losing my... And it like... I was binging like i was going through a season a day just going through it as quick as i could trying to get done before the new one aired on tuesday and i missed the new one airing because i was so fucked up internally over what happened to opie i did i didn't i don't think i said a word i don't think i vocalized a word for a week i mean i just shut down that might have been the worst thing that i've seen happen in terms of character death was it uh was it as gruesome as glenn in the walking dead it wasn't that it was gruesome from a visual aspect it was the emotional aspect of there, what he's been going there through there was such an emotional tie to this character and i don't i don't think it was just me who was tied to him emotionally i mean the of everyone in that show that Kurt Sutter put development into, Opie was the best character as far as his story beginning to end. His development was insane. Jack's character development was shit. Tig, shit. Bobby, shit. Piney, shit. All of them. Shitty character development. They had some cool moments, but Opie beginning to end, just it was this 
fucking roller coaster. I loved him. And he's in a new show called The Outsiders that I watch because that actor's in it. And he's kind of like Opie. Nowhere near as complex, but I still watch it. It's a pretty good show. But, um... Well, there you hear it. Uh, watch Sons of Anarchy if you haven't. I probably won't, but and, watch it. <laughs> and for real, if you watch it, then start watching Mayans and talk to me about it. Nobody watches it around me, so I have nobody to talk about it with. And I am just, I'm jacked on it right now. It's so good. But nobody, I, I got no one to talk well, to about it. This is, uh, this is all we got for this episode. Uh, you heard us say some uh, things that we normally wouldn't admit in public, so yeah. hope you feel special i ranted quite a bit i apologize <laughs> but uh yeah so anyway uh i hope we hope everyone has a great time I hope yeah. that you enjoyed this episode uh we're probably gonna do some more of these because honestly both of our lists are a little bit longer than we got to get to and uh i don't know let us know in the comments if you like this style episode if you like the more raw um feelings kind of shit if you want to hear more of it let us know uh we're gonna drop our facebook link our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that down in the description section of here. Head on over and give us a like on Instagram and Facebook to stay updated with our new episodes. We're going to release every Monday, but for behind the scenes, you're going to have to get us on Instagram. Um, That's pretty much it for this week. Leave us some feedback. Let us know if there's anything that you want to hear an episode about. And other than that, game on. Game on.